0: Colin, how are you doing today?
1: I'm good, Harry. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. I think this is my first uh, remote recording session for those uh, watching uh, our beautiful faces on YouTube. They'll see a different background for me today. So excited to have Andrew on today.
2: Thanks so much for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. I'm excited to be your uh, your first remote. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, typically, Harry's got the, all these lovely drawings from his children behind him. So today, we got to head is forward. true.
2: I got a lot of those that my kids uh, ask me to hang up in the office and I keep telling me, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I just like <laughs> covertly put them in the recycling when they're not looking. Uh, yeah,
1: wow. Awesome. Well, let's go into your bio, Andrew, and get the people to know you. So quickly, uh, Andrew is the founder and solo GP of Reverent. Did I get that right? It's the, that V in the middle, you know,
2: you gotta ride Reverent. Um, I always joke. Two jokes I always make are uh, "irreverent" is I R R B R N T um, is uh, hopefully with the uh, fun too. Maybe I could afford some more vowels. Um, Got it. And the other <laughs> one is if, uh, if I can't raise fun too, you know, we the, the the New York Post back cover will be you know, irreverent is now irrelevant, you know, or something like that.
1: So uh, nice. So you've spent about a decade plus in digital marketing, including founding Within, where you spent about one billion on Google and Facebook for brands like Nike, Intuit, Goop, Rothies, and more. That's a lot of money. And after a successful exit in 2018, <laughs> you transitioned to early stage venture. And it sounds like you did some angel investing in there. But a uh, Irreverent, uh, from what you've told me, uh, is a $10 million early stage fund with a strong focus on ad tech, e-com enablement, vertical SaaS, and marketplaces. And you invest three to 500K into uh, relentless founders with strong founder market fit, building in large and growing markets sounds like a recipe for success.
2: Yeah, I hope so.
0: Awesome. Well, so I feel like that last sentence is great. It's like relentless founders, you know, it, it would look great on the end of the slide deck, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely including some of that in uh in the fun two pitch deck. It's hard to know who or what will be successful, right? So the goal is especially at the early stages really to invest in great founders, in building in great markets and you know, can you tell if they're a 10 out of 10 or an 8 out of 10 or 2 out of 10 on the founder side? Like the goal is to, you know, invest in those 8, 9s and 10s out of 10s. Hopefully they're all 10s out of 10s, but it's hard to know after, especially nowadays, you know, a few Zoom calls, a few weeks of getting to know them. You know, I think that's why I've uh, really sharpened the thesis and focus to kind of those core areas. Instead of coming in, you know, kind of cold into a new market, as you might need to with the general fund, um, being able to kind of go into some of these markets uh, whether it's ad tech or e com enablement, marketplaces vertical saas where i have background and history as a as a customer and an investor get you know i get to start the conversation much more deeply i always say the best pitches end up being conversations right so it's not you know they come on they pitch their deck it's more they come on founder comes on pitches his or her deck you know we talk for you know that takes 5 10 minutes but it's you know most of the rest of the, that first call is talking about strategy and and go to market and pricing and thinking through product roadmap and potential customers. And it becomes much more of a, of a working session, than kind of like a, a pitch session, if you
1: will. So it sounds like you're, you've got fund one almost fully deployed and you're looking at raising or in the process of raising fund two, but maybe before we even get to, uh, the funds, what. Tell us a little bit about the journey. It sounds like you had a successful exit. Uh, did you start angel investing then? Give us the give us the download. Yeah,
2: so I worked uh, in e-commerce and, and digital marketing for a few years. I worked at um, Smart Sign, which is a B two B large B two B company that um, actually took an investment from Doros Venture Partners recently. But they sold uh, street signs, so parking signs, stop signs to apartment building owners. Um, small municipalities, small towns, things like that. And then I worked at Quidzy Quidzy was the parent company of diapers.com, uh, soap.com, wag.com. I ran digital customer acquisition for diapers, the flagship site, and then for wag the pet site, and then left there went over to the vitamin shop. There I ran digital customer acquisition, then a hundred million dollar ecom business, and then about a billion dollar retail. Sales annually through um, through about 900 stores nationwide, and then they bought a, a company in Canada. And the 2014 started actually working on a startup. Um, we're going to put tablets on tables in bars, restaurants, and nightclubs to view menu, order, and check out on demand. Um, the company was called TC Tab. I would be remiss if I didn't say that my wife came up with the name. Um, she would be very angry if she heard this podcast, even though she doesn't really listen to podcasts and didn't and I didn't give her that shout out. And so I started working on that with, uh, with co-founder. And we ended up also starting to do some marketing consulting, uh, kind of on the side. And the goal with that was, you know, keep the lights on, you know, replace salaries, were leaving full-time jobs mm-hmm. and then also pour that money back into development of the startup. Really started to, um, spend much more of our time on, uh, on the marketing business. And that, that kind of grew into the the business that was, uh, within, um, and grew that over, over four years, uh, into one of the largest independent digital market agencies in the US. When
0: uh, did you uh, get into angel investing? Was it while you were working on these companies and building these startups or was it after?
2: So really, really after. Technically, I think we took some stock for one project in in Mm -hmm. a company and it turned out well. Um, They were like very close to acquisition at that time. So it was like, we kind of knew what it would be. I wouldn't. I wouldn't really have ca- call called that an angel investment. It kind of, kind of was, but but wasn't wasn't really in some yeah. way. So when I exited the agency in twenty eighteen, actually almost almost five years ago now, or, or a little just over five years ago now, in May twenty eighteen, I, I was you know trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. So I, I did the typical you know semi retirement for a few months. Um, played a lot of golf and tennis that summer. But about six months later, after uh, after summer traveling after Jewish holidays, woke up and realized, you know, what do I want to kind of do next with, uh, with my life? You know, I can't sit around all day uh, as fun, as fun as it is, you know, looking back at the agency, I was like, what, what did I really enjoy? What did I not enjoy as much? And realized, you know, I really loved working with those early stage teams, those founders. <laughs> in addition to that, I did, uh, you know, kind of the classic, hundred coffee meetings with just people in my network, friends, family, things like that, you know, Went to learn about different businesses and and kind of and different things and you know really recognized hey like this this early stage startup thing it's it's really fun like in some ways even earlier than than some of the companies that we tended to work with and so started to started to just spend time in the space and spend about five six months in the space. Met a few companies that I was really excited about. Started mm-hmm. making investments as an angel investor. You know, I really kind of dove headfirst the space, and then started going to a lot of events also, um, just mm-hmm. meet people. Um, I would go to one or two events a week in the city, um, whether there was a pitch event, whether it was a networking event, and just you know meet meet people. And and uh, you know, one of the one of the areas that I tried to do you know throughout my career, but especially then was like you know was was to bring value. You know, I didn't necessarily know as much about startups other people, but I knew a lot about marketing and, and go to market. Yeah. Um, and so try to bring that kind of angle and advice and experience to early stage companies to whether whether it was, you know, invest other investors, whether it was founders, um, and so start to get more involved in the space.
0: Got it. So what inspired you to go from Angel into starting your first fund?
2: Yeah, I think I kind of, I don't want to say new from the beginning, but I think I knew, you know, early on, hey, I like, This is something I could see myself doing for a long time and in a, you know, more structured capacity. I kind of, in some ways, structured my angel investing as a fund in some ways in terms of how I was evaluating deals, how I was thinking about deal flow, how I was thinking about pacing and and all those things. And so, you know, I kind of always thought I might, uh, especially after about, you know, a year or so. And then towards the middle of beginning of 2021, middle of 2021, I had a few kind of encounters with folks where, you know, I was sharing deal flow with them, other angel investors, um, and they were kind of investing the same deals that I was based on just my diligence. It was like, Oh, you're investing in this company, your own capital. Um, It's an area and uh, you know, sector that you understand you talked to and met the founders. Like I'm throwing in, you know, yeah, I'll meet the founders and talk to them also, but I'm, you know, kind of throwing in on this company because of because of your investment. And that kind of gave me the confidence to say, hey, you know, I feel comfortable, you know, being the steward of, of other people's uh, capital, you know, taking OPM. is not something I take lightly. Uh, and so started to to run that process to say, hey, you know, let me let me go out, and see, uh see about raising a fund.
1: You said you your first fund, it's 80 percent deployed. Yep,
2: 80% deployed. So I launched the fund in the summer 2021, started investing in uh, the fall, winter, October 2021. Um, So it's been about a year and a half. And um, that fund will be fully deployed by the end of this year. And so I have five, six more investments to make through the end of the year. And then, you know, I've started working on the deck for a fund too, and and started kind kind of the process there.
1: You said it's a rolling fund as well, you know, for the the listeners out there that don't know what a rolling fund is um, they just think venture capitalists have funds what is a rolling fund
2: sure so so fund one is a rolling fund it's kind of the crawl walk run strategy you know angel invested for about two and a half years have the rolling fund the next one will be a more traditional fund uh, model that you know listeners might might be a little bit more familiar with a rolling fund is actually this uh really original concept um you know angel is kind of I don't know if they, they completely came up with it, but really revolutionized. Um, the idea is that every quarter is technically its own fund and its own almost uh, investing entity. Um, but if an LP, a limited partner is investing into multiple quarters of the fund, they're still cross collateralized across those funds. So that structure allows, you know, I think the real innovation there was um, this idea that like you could kind of just get going, right? So for yeah. me, when i first started i you know was like okay i think i can you know go out and raise roughly five six million dollar fund um you know go out and raise that see what happens um but the rolling fund lets you kind of just get started and get going so i started raising the fund in summer 2021 didn't end up actually meeting uh my anchor investor um at holdings until um early october end of october early november 2021 um, so they came in actually in the in the middle of the fund, the fund that already started. So often with a traditional fund, you'll have, you know, a first close and might have a second close, maybe even a third close. So that would allow you a little bit of time to get, you know, uh, kind of going and, and meet people and still have the ability to add investors. It's a lot stricter on some of that. I met a large LP in mid 2022 who joined for a few quarters. And, you know, that's something that would be, if you had a traditional fund model, you met them in the middle of the fund, it would be like, great to meet you. Like, let's stay in touch and like hope that they align and, um, versus, you know, trying to get them in kind of right away and getting them exposure right away and cementing that relationship.
0: So I should probably know this because I'm an LP. I think in one or two rolling funds, or I've done this before. But so when you invest, you know, as an LP in these rolling funds, is it like now I get the returns of the whole fund, or is it sort of only do I only if you invested in five companies and one of them was a hit, and then I invest in the next quarter, do I not get you know the returns from those first five, or how does how does it work like logistically?
2: Yeah. It's the latter. You get exposure to the quarters that you're in. Eight quarters, you know, let's say an LP that joined in the third quarter and they're in for the let's just say four quarters so third, fourth, fifth, and sixth. Mm-hmm. They would not get exposure to, you know, the companies that invested in the first and second quarter or in the seventh and eighth quarter. It gets a little complicated because it's often you're not investing exactly the amount that you raise and deploying. So sometimes there's rollover to the next quarter, but yeah. generally that's the kind of the way it works is that you get exposure to the quarters that you have invested in
0: but it sounds like as the gp for yourself you know with your first fund it sounds like it gave you more flexibility you can meet you know like a good anchor or you know meet a good lp a little later mid in the process so would
2: you do it the same way i always said that i would do it the same way that i'm I'm very happy uh, with how it worked out you know fortunate and yeah i mean the the rolling fund gave me that ability to kind of just go out and start doing it. I'm um, someone who likes to learn by doing, likes to just kind of get going. And so, you know, you can you could plan, and planning is important, and going out and raising. If you're an emerging manager looking to kind of get going on fund one, getting going and getting that track record going and starting the process, while still being able to kind of you know always be fundraising and get LPS into into the fund. I think it's, I think it's great. You know, the, the goal with fun two is to transition to a traditional fund model. I think it's a little better for LPs. I think it's a little better for, for GPs in terms of some, some of the kind of stability, although I do have friends, um, friends, colleagues that are kind of on this rolling fund train and you know, they just kind of continue doing the rolling funds, it works for them It makes sense for LPs. It gives, you know, both sides, the flexibility that they want. And so, you know, that's, that's a bonus.
1: So as you transition to go to fund two, and, you know, the fundraising environment is hard in general, both for startups and I imagine for emerging managers too. What are you learning from that process right now?
2: Environment and macro landscape is always something that's going on in the background. There are good times and bad times. I think the fundraising environment now for for managers is a two out of ten, and it's a... Definitely give me a lot of empathy for founders. I think there's still, you know, can't be used as an excuse. Um, there's still folks funding emerging managers. There's still folks funding, um, you know, funding funds. Um, and so, you know, you kind of have to run your process. And for for founders raising, uh, capital, it's about you know coming up that list of fifty to hundred funds that are fit for you in terms of sector and stage and geo um and finding ways into them whether they accept cold inbound like i do or whether they require warm intro like some funds um honing the pitch um and and getting it really refined um to talk about the you know kind of the strong points in terms of traction and why now why 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 you why that that the team is the right team um getting in front of the right people um while continuing to you know grow and improve hopefully whether it's on the product side whether it's on the revenue attraction side and run your process and, and get in front of as many people as possible that are a fit for you. You know, for me, it's the same thing. Find that, find that, make up that list of, of 50 to 100 fund of funds family offices, whatever the case is, just rich individual investors who are, who are looking to deploy um, into funds and, and make sure that I find a way to get in front of them and make sure that the, the pitch and the narrative are compelling. That's really all you can do.
0: You know, tactically, Andrew, where are you finding these potential LPs for your fund? Are you going on Crunchbase or looking up, you know, who's an LP in whatever fund? Or, like, how are you finding these people tactically?
2: Yeah, all those ways. I think Crunchbase, I think PitchBook's a great place. There's some, you know, family office reports that are out there to, mm-hmm. to find these lists. There's definitely, you know, for for folks within kind of the ecosystem, there's sharing of, you know, kind of LP lists and referrals also you know there's there's definitely funds that i've done the same thing you know met, met yeah. folks who are or are not a fit for my fund and you know once they make a decision there whether it's in or out you know hey are you looking for other funds to deploy into or hey it doesn't look seem like you want to invest in you know this category here's someone who invests in you know a lot of other categories that might be a fit. Yeah. So that that happens too similar to how it does with founders right um i share decks and forward decks and get decks forward all the time from, from yeah. folks who do deals or pass on the deals and, and, and evaluate them.
0: Has there been one channel for you that's been most successful or a home run or, you know, like intros from other folks, you know, running funds, for example, it might be a good one, right. Cause it's sort of that warm intro. Is there one where it's like, wow, I've gotten three LPs from this channel and they're all great. <laughs> you know, I got to do more of this if I could.
2: Yeah. I mean for, for fun one, it was, it was mostly like, uh, my network or my network plus one, right? Folks I knew or or folks I knew who referred me to folks that they were pretty close with. I think for for fun too, it's going to be a lot of that, but more at the you know institutional level. Uh, more of the GPs who again might have uh those fund the funds. For um, family offices, as investors in, in their own funds, who are are open to kind of making that warm introduction, or at a minimum, forwarding you know forwarding materials uh, to the to those folks. So, haven't 100 finalized all all my materials yet. Still working on that, creating a data room um, with with all the with all the deals and the process and 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 all of that. But. That, I think, is, is probably the most promising place just because, you know, otherwise your founders reach out to to investors. Uh, it Unless you have a very specific fit, uh, warm introductions are always are always helpful. I'm an expert in a few different areas, and I can spot people that are experts or potential experts building in those spaces. Yeah. And, and um, you know, being a solo GP and being able to make decisions quickly, move quickly, and also just create that that authenticity with founders is is really valuable. You know, at the end of the day, founders don't choose funds, they choose, you know, partners um, at funds. So, you know, sometimes it's good, sometimes that's bad. You know, for me, it's really, hey, I'm making very early bets with high conviction without looking to follow on other investors, without caring who else is the round, without, you know, everything's a data point. Right. Um, I'm not saying that um, someone else being around can't be a positive or potentially a negative, but like, that's not what, what I'm really looking for. You know, I'm not looking for someone who necessarily went to, you know, Harvard or MIT or, um, or who was, you know, the first X, Y, Z at Uber, you know, I'm not looking for those signals. I'm typically over indexed on first time founders who have a strong founder market fit, who have been in and around in and around the industry for a while who kind of see, have seen and experienced the problem they're solving firsthand uh, have a differentiated approach, but also at the same time have uh, in a lot of ways that industry expertise and, and networks so that they know, you know, the first five customers that they want to bring on, they know the CTO that they want to hire, who's the head of engineering at a company that's a little bit later stage, but doing things differently. And you know that person also wants out and, you know, uh, so that's kind of the way I approach it is, hey, like that's what I, where I'm going and where I'm going to fish and, and, and find founders. And if that resonates with you, great. And if it, if it doesn't as an investor, that, that's totally fine too.
0: Last question that I have for you before we move to uh, trending Twitter threads and uh, get your hot takes is the economics of, you know, sort of being an emerging fund manager. We featured a thread on last week's episode where we talked to, you know, it was basically kind of grouping buckets, VCs and investors into different buckets. And you know, you've got the really well off ones, right, that have houses all all over. But, you know, a lot more people are, you know, kind of in that next bucket or in the third bucket. And I'm curious what your take is on, like, basically, like, how much money should you expect to make as an emerging manager? right? You, I'm assuming you charge 2% of a 10 million fund, that's 200k um, a year. Uh, so there's some money, maybe you've got some help. And then obviously, you know, potential carry in the future, like, if this is your job, like, how do you think about like the actual, you know, like, when you're an angel, you usually have something else that pays the bills, but this is now how you pay the bills, so, like a
2: few things. So for me, right, I, I hit also- me. <laughs> yeah yeah i'll hit you um so so why I'm also um fractional CMO Tuileries a men's uh clothing company okay um, cool. so I do that in about what that's about like 15 percent of my time i've known the team there for a really long time and long story but all all good things and they're they're awesome and incredible and uh go check it out tuileries.com. So a couple bucks from there um yeah uh, and then I had have, I have a successful exit, so, um, you know, I have that, you know, at the same time, I have four kids. I pay yeah, money. I was
0: about to say, you got four kids, oh, so.
2: you cheap yeshiva tuition, which isn't cheap, you know, uh, health insurance, all that yep. stuff. Yeah, fun economics are, are, you know, are, yes, it's 2%, but it's also 2% for 10 years, you know, and one way to kind of look at it, the money doesn't all come in at once, but one way to mm-hmm. look at it is you are making twenty percent essentially yeah. of what you employ in any given year, right? So if you're yeah. deploying mm, you know that's a good point. five million dollars in a year, you're making a million dollars. You might not get all that right up front. It might be, you know, backstream mm-hmm. depending on how you set up the fund and over how many years are you're, you're taking that management fee. You now you do have expenses also for me with the rolling fund. Uh, it'll probably be a little bit different with the traditional fund, but a lot of the legal expenses I pay myself out of my management fees. A lot of ballpark other...
0: legal expenses, like what fifty k or maybe more? Do you think, like up until this point, or
2: yeah, in that range? It's it you know it it depends how many deals you're leading versus following yeah. on. Um, you know, I've started to do a few deals that are international, which are a little bit more complicated. than mm. a, you know deal. Um,
0: How I'm good or expensive that, your lawyer is?
2: You pay, <laughs> Yeah, I have a great great legal team, very happy with uh, Acceleron Law out of, out of California, Joey Trent and Andrea Cohen out there. And uh, yeah, you have legal fees, you you might have a VA or associate or something like that, you have software mm-hmm. costs, you know, the pitch bugs, the affinities, the superhumans, the county, yeah. like all those things. You have all the, you know, the events, events add up, swag, um, yep. you know, which are things that you want to do and things that you kind of, you know... Need to do in some ways, you know, it, it it adds up. But it's if you can look at it almost like, especially as you start to stack funds, right? So it could be challenging at the beginning, depending on fund size. But as you start to stack funds, right? So yep. if you deploy over two years or three years, and then you have the next fund that deploys in that in year four, so now year four you're kind of double dipping because you have the first fund yeah. and the second fund that will continue to pay that two percent annual fees. And year five and year six and year seven and year eight, you start to have you know, potentially for your five, whatever, depending on your deployment cycle, you could have three yeah. or four fun stack at the same time. And then eventually, you know, you have the carry. I mean, carry is where you're going to make the, you know, the real money if, if you do it well and you do it right. Um, otherwise, it's, you know, can be a replacement level salary. I mean, I think probably I can be making more doing something else, um, but there's nothing else I'd rather be doing. I, I really enjoy this. It's, it's super fun. Um and enjoyable, I think I'm good at it in terms of messing I'm good at it in terms of adding yeah. value value founders um and just you know and 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 being helpful in the ecosystem so i I love it it's stimulating, it's challenging um awesome, it's fun in all the right ways,
0: yeah, no, I think uh you're uh, you're selling me for sure, so uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'll go down this path, but if I do, you may be one of the first people I call, so I really appreciate you you know kind of sharing uh all the info generally, but you know tactical and details, so I think uh, it's helpful
2: yeah. I've had a lot of conversations with a, uh, with a, with a coin. with the term I, I, I kind of coined uh, called like emerging LPs folks who are starting, who are starting to invest either into funds, emerging angels into, you yeah. know, directly into companies. So I haven't had a lot of conversations over the past few years about people who are trying, you know, either from to make the transition into venture or trying to just get exposure to venture directly um, as an asset class or through funds and just had that conversation with folks around, like, economics, how things work, um, and what the right path is. Like, I've had folks who are like, oh, I'm an investor of funds, and I'm like, what are you trying to accomplish? And I'm like, yeah. well, you could invest, but it sounds like it'd be much better just investing deal by deal mm-hmm. in SPVs because that you're really looking for the learning and the connection directly to founders, and that's available here, but it's much more available through SPVs or direct, invest directly as an angel or whatever the case might be.
0: Very cool. All right. Well, now the fun part. We'll uh, we'll roll. Through. I know you're active on Twitter, so you uh, should like this. You probably have maybe even seen some of these uh, threads and some of these people we're going to feature. We'll uh, now we don't have Colin slowing us down either, so we'll be able to roll through maybe even up to three uh little uh trending twitter threads that we found in the past few weeks so the first one uh i put up on the screen for those watching live and i'll read it. it's from alex Ishkol 2048.bc always make a great deck always even more so true in a tough market like this one sloppy deck equals likely an immediate pass what do you think andrew agree disagree
2: yeah, I've have, I've have two uh examples of that where I where I totally totally agree. I'm in the process of uh, helping a, a company that I invested in go out to raise money and they are you know, one of the big things that we're working on is I'm I'm setting up in the process of wireframing a deck for them. And one of the big things is, you know, is sales, right? Founders can yeah. be great at sales. They need to sell investors, they need to sell potential employees, and they need to sell customers. And part of being a good salesperson is that narrative and storytelling and You know, I see uh, Ahmad's comment on design versus storytelling. (laughs) I I totally agree. Like, you know, you might not be the best at, you know, beautifully designing things, but you could tell your story, you know, very succinctly and very well with charts and graphs and, and, you know, bullet points. It doesn't need to be, you know, the most beautiful um, in terms of design. You know, I have another company where, one of the biggest areas um, that I'm trying to help them on also is on the design side in, in terms of encouraging them to, to bring on a designer um, because the part of what they do is in the ads ecosystem is is creating ads. And so there's a corollary there to well <laughs> if you can't make a good demo how to, you know what's the actual yeah. version gonna look like. And so you know I was able to, you know, going back to one of your earlier questions. I, I had the conviction to say like the design part important. Valuable, I think fixable, they didn't really have that yet. And I think that's why other funds may, you know, may have passed on it. I think yeah. it's a solvable problem by bringing the right, you know, the, the right support. Um. So, so yeah, I, I generally, generally agree here.
0: Yeah, Ahmad's comment, he says, depends on what you mean by great, if you mean thoughtful and conveys a good story, then I agree, if you mean it looks beautiful and well-designed, then I disagree, think that would be a waste of time in general, and I think that was kind of the key, I think, that I like, is that, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be pretty and beautiful, that's not what makes a good deck, it's more like, hey, it could be simple and clean, but if it tells that great story, or if it makes the problem clear, then it may be more appealing.
2: I also think it depends what what you're doing, right? Like. Mm -hmm. A consumer-facing business, like, and your deck is shittily designed, like, probably going to be a problem.
0: Um, (laughs) If you're in like a boring B2B, and you're just going to be uh, yeah, boring
2: uh, B2B, and and what you really do is really about you know the under the hood analytics. Like, make sure the data um, that you're showcasing, the charts are really you know powerful and impactful and highlight the right thing because you know there's a corollary to what you're to what you're selling
0: yeah for sure um yeah i just got a a deck recently and it was like a pretty terrible deck it's like one of the worst decks i've ever seen but i was like wow this company is b2b and they've got like this super legit list of investor you know and i was like okay i think like i i didn't know i didn't even know them that well but i was like all right i'm guessing that they just are like so legit they don't even really need a deck so it was sort of funny to see that right um
2: go to, go to uh what is it berkshire's berkshire's website you know
0: <laughs> All right. Next one. We'll, uh, we'll do, maybe we'll end on this one. Uh, Adam Draper, he says people overcomplicate early stage venture capital, just invest in great people doing important things. So we've talked a lot about all the different strategies and all that. Is it that simple or what do you think?
2: Sure. What, what, you know, I, I think the great people and important things is like, you know, you could spend hours and hours discussing that, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, meme, um, I do think moats are important, um, right? So I think for me, how you define great and how you define important, you know, kind of are those are those are you know million or billion dollar words right there, yeah. uh, you know. But yeah
0: i thought i just thought this tweet was funny right because it's like all all you know i like probably a lot of vcs are like offended by this like wow don't simplify my job uh like this and actually let's see adam draper he's managing director at a boost vc a pretty good one um yeah they've
2: they've they've done pretty well adam's pretty smart guy um you know so i i think if you ask him though like you know i don't think his i don't think his uh his investment process is this a great you know are these founders great Is this important? Cool. Here's a check. I don't think it's as simple as that, right? Their 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 diligence process is is it two questions long? Yeah. Um, so.
0: I yeah. think I like this comment from Dan Gray here. He says that's fair for an angel writing a few checks a year. But beyond that, especially when you're investing other people's money, it's worth doing a bit more due diligence. And I think that is one of the big differences. Like I have a, a little mini fund that I'm deploying right now, 500 K. And when I went from angel checks to kind of my mini fund, it definitely is like, well, I've got other people's money. Like, I'm not going to change everything I'm doing, but it is kind of like that step up, like, you know, to the, the next level.
2: I, I actually had like a, like, I think at the end of at the end of last year I was slowing down from the mm-hmm. fund perspective in terms of just number of deals I was doing and like kind of getting caught in like a little maybe analysis paralysis on some things. And like, you know, at the end of the, at the, end of the day, you're not going to see a company that's a 10 out of 10 on every single thing, yeah. you know, or it's like, let's just back the truck up and, 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 and put it all in there. Um, if you do. Send Otherwise it, send it.
0: the company would already exist and be worth billions of dollars. Right.
2: Exactly. Exactly. So, <laughs> there's always a reason, there's always at least one, if not 10 reasons to no to something. Right. And so like, you know, we invest in outliers and that's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's a hit driven business to the extreme, to the extreme. And like, that is going back to pointing point earlier about always looking at this from, you know, kind of uh, even when I was investing as an angel, trying to really look at it, uh, you know, as a VC, uh, again, going back to that, like, you know, the the goal here is not 3Xing and 5Xing. It's does this company have the potential to have fifty, hundred x That's what that's what you know. This this whole enterprise is about.
0: Yeah, wow. very very cool. I think that's a perfect uh, note to end on. If folks want to find you on Twitter, or uh, if they want to find you, where should they go? Where can they learn more about uh, Reverend?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, if you're a if you're a founder, feel free to submit a deck um, on uh, Reverend.io or Reverend.com. I r r v r n t com. Um, on Twitter follow me at That's irreverent. the first
0: test for founders. Can they actually find your website? And if they can Yeah,
2: that's first I mean open. I don't know. If you Google <laughs> Irreverent VC and you spell Irreverent correctly, which very few people can even spell it even with the vowels, you know. <laughs> I think I think I'll show up there too, so it's, it's okay. Um and then uh yeah on Twitter at Irreverent V C I R R V R N T V C Um close trying to get to ten thousand followers by the end of the year. So hopefully this, uh, that's uh um um on the eight eighty two hundred range or something like that. Um okay. it's a bad metric, but it's uh it's fun yep. Um I, uh, yeah, I do if you're an LP, you know, here's my cell phone number. Um <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. T-
0: text or DM us we'll you have
2: twenty four seven access. Exactly. just put a bad you know, email a slot um with cash and and uh and an AM and we'll, we'll be good. Awesome.
0: appreciate it. Take care.